What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pachelke. What's up, TP? How you doing, man? Feel good after a big fantasy win. I'm anxious to get into the semifinals and win this bitch. Oh, yeah. All right, before we start, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore all of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword TSK Show. Check us out on Anchor as well, anchor.fm slash TSK Show, or just download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. Uh, like Tyler said, it was a big first weekend in fantasy football playoffs for both him and I, uh, the TSK Show Fantasy Football League. Uh, we both advanced to the semifinals, so we will uh, talk a little bit about that coming up in a few minutes. Uh, as the NFL regular season begins to wind down, we are only three more weeks away from Wild Card Weekend. Tyler and I thought it would be a good idea to talk about some players we think deserve to be first-team All-Pro. So Tyler's going to handle the defense, and I'm going to handle the offense. To close the show, everyone's favorite hoop segment, the starting five. We got five topics that we are going to talk about uh, in the world of basketball. But first, we have a guest joining us for this episode in which I have three things in common. We both graduated from CSUN with journalism degrees, spent a lot of our time as students in this very studio that we're recording in. Uh, we both currently work for iHeartMedia in promotions, and we are both former interns of the Petros and Money Show on AM570 LA Sports here in LA. We welcome to the show for the first time Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, what's going on, man? How you doing? Great, man. Part, uh, glad to be part of the show, man. Finally uh, back here in the studio and... Uh, Great to be part of the uh, TSK show for the very first time. Yeah. Well, we're, we're happy to have you here. Uh, why don't you quickly give uh, the people a little bit of background on uh, what your sports fan allegiances are, uh, who some of your favorite teams are, some of your favorite players, favorite sports. You know the drill. Uh, so for sp uh, favorite sports, I'm going to leave it here in L.A., baby. Uh, Lakers, Dodgers, Rams. There you go. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, Kings, you know, I don't really support hockey that much, but I would say Kings is my team for hockey. All right, all right. Played uh, three years of uh, basketball in high school. Okay, all right. Um, I was a two guard, kind of a point guard, a mix two. I would say kind of like not Jamal Crawford, but like Eric Bledsoe type, you know, there we one go. or two. We love it. We so, love it. Uh, ball right. handling wasn't like my specialty, but I was a shooter, defender, something like little, that. Little little explosiveness yeah, to you. Yeah, kind of a two-way you know, player. All right. So, uh, well, we're happy to have you here. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we want to get your thoughts on uh, how Tyler and I are doing uh, in our fantasy football playoffs. It. Yeah, let's hear it. So it's the semifinals in the TSK Show League. Tyler is matched up against the seventh seed. Uh, our good friend Sean Sweeney pulled off an upset in the first round against uh, Corey Golob uh, in the first round. And then I'm matched up against the number one overall seed, Chad Johnson, after I upset our good friend Casey McGee in yeah. the first round. Yeah. Going to have a hell of a week this week then. Yeah? Yeah. It's, All right. Uh, Amari Cooper was my saving grace and secured the victory for me over uh, Casey, putting up over 40 points. And then Julio Jones had 100-plus yards and two touchdowns for me. So yeah, Amari, that was nice. Amari Cooper did it for you. Yeah. He, he definitely brought it home. That was the difference maker. What's crazy was in, is in my other league, uh, I had Amari Cooper on my bench and still won. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a dominant win. You don't always need those big games. Yeah, shout out Rafi Diamond for taking a huge L in, in the first round of the playoffs last week. They're more of a luxury. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, how no, was your I mean, matchup? I mean, I had I got Gronk in the end zone, Juju Smith, another big two-touchdown game. Um, and then just kind of just picked up solid games from, like, Tariq Cohen, uh, Mark Ingram, and then T.Y. also had a big-time game. Oh, T.Y. Uh, had a huge game. So I also played someone that was unfortunate. They hit the they hit the injury bug pretty tough. Um, no James Conner, no OBJ, and then Leonard Fournette started out Thursday night with pretty much a dud. So yeah, to have three of your best players um, basically go down immediately. You kind of had smooth sailing going into Sunday already. Yep, it makes me it makes me nervous for this game coming up because <laughs> I'm not projected to win right now. Uh oh. Um and. He's playing. He's got. He's got Ezekiel Elliott. He scares me. And he's a Cowboys fan, so you know he's, he's gonna he's gonna rip him hard. Hey, you may not be projected to win, but look, Miami. They weren't supposed to win this Sunday, though. And look what happened. Yeah, exactly. No, I. I still got a shot. I can make it happen. I. I think my team's gonna be all right. But just getting an easy win in the first round makes me feel uneasy. Right. I like. I won. I won by over twenty points in the first round. So it's like. Yeah. I. I have an uphill battle against Chad. I lost to him in the regular season finale. 151.7 to 97.1. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was without yeah. Melvin Gordon that week, uh, but he's right now actually a game-time decision for Thursday night football in Kansas City. Yeah, it sucks, so. that, it sucks that you got him on a Thursday night because I think if this was a Sunday game, it would be much, you know, much right. more likely you played. And it's like it, if he's a game-time decision, I'm going to have to leave him in until the very last second on Thursday until I find out if he's going or not and then – well, we got a I don't know. At, we got a shot at ma- meeting in the finals. Yeah, we do. We right, and that's I guess that was the ultimate goal, right? We I had, guess when we started this and had, decided to co-commission a fantasy football league. We had a good good regular season. The playoffs are off to a good start. Yeah, it's been it's been a competitive league, a competitive first year of Definitely. the TSK show fantasy football league. We're Definitely. we're excited to see what happens in the semifinals. I'm ready for Gronk to bring it home for me. We'll see. I'm ready. All right. Uh, so like we said, we're about three weeks away, uh, from the end of the regular season. And as the regular season winds down, Tyler and I thought it would be a good idea to talk about some players we thought were deserving of the first team, all pro nod Tyler. Uh, I know you have some strong feelings on what you think it means to be a first team, all pro in the NFL. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, why don't, why don't you let the people know how you feel on you earlier? I think it's like one of the most prestigious awards, uh, in sports, uh, it truly is just the best 11 football players to, in the planet at your position. Um, and I was saying, I kind of said uh, offhand that it was even more prestigious than NBA all first team. And Be- I kind of was and like, I thought, eh. about it, I thought about it for a little bit. And I think it's because it's a mix between there's no good all-star game for the NFL. So this is like it. You know yeah. The mean? Pro Bowl doesn't really mean. Oh, much. yeah. That, the, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like 12 quarterbacks a year, are Pro Bowl quarterbacks, because there's so many injuries, injury or the, don't play. the ones playing in the Super Bowl don't have to and, go. And then the other thing is there's no second team. So like the NBA has first, second, third team. Yeah, that's true. You yeah, so if you I don't mean? make so, one, so you got like, you got two more chances. There's to make a the difference second and third. between having a, a, a first string, second string, and a third string. Like you being on that team, like yeah, if you're first team, that's definitely like says something. But to be first team All Pro, you're one of the eleven guys in the world um, that they would have on the field to make the best team in the world. That's 
Um, I think that's the high. That's the pinnacle of football. Um, after that, it's the Hall of Fame and, and Super Bowl rings. Those are the only things. Yeah, that I think for sure. They really like top it. So um, I love every year seeing the All Pro team. It's always a surprise. Um, there's always a couple guys on on each side of the ball that I had no idea were playing that good, and they're always deserving. And I feel like they always hit it right. Whereas the NBA sometimes is a little shaky. Yeah, no, that's true. Some some players and do lead, have a and the leeway with you having the second and third team, you can just be like, all right, all right, we're not going to give him first team, but he's on second team. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think it's also different. Uh, well, I guess I mean. It, it's probably the same in the NFL, but now with the new collective bargaining agreement in the NBA, uh, the contract pay stipulations that come along with being first, second, and third team, yeah. uh, all NBA players, yeah. uh, I'm sure it affects uh, players' Yeah, I mean, I'm looking NFL. at the list of guys I have as the all-pro football players, and these guys are paid. I yeah. Mean, these are like the top <laughs> No, dollar. you ain't lying. These are literally the top dollar guys, probably all at the, you know – all of them got to be in the top five unless they're, like, a younger player. Okay, so do you want to start on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball? It, it doesn't matter. You can list off the offense, uh, offense, you know, skill players right. first if you want to. Or. Well, no, I'm not going to go with the skill players first because we're, we're actually going to talk about the skill players. Okay. Uh, as Pat McAfee likes to say, this is a lot of positionism. Uh, we're yeah. just going to skip through the, the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about in the offensive line. Yeah. Um, so my center, my first team all-pro center is Jason Kelsey, uh, right guard Zach Martin, left guard Roger Saffold, right tackle Rob Havenstein, left tackle Andrew Whitworth. Yes, I know there's three Rams players in there. But a little bias in that, uh, that list, right? Oh, just a little th bit? Thanks, Jacob. All right. Blew my cover. Um, but then uh, Tyler wanted uh, uh, me to pick a kicker, and he's going to do a punter. Yeah. Uh, so my kicker, I got to go with the goat, Adam Vinatieri, having yeah. a hell of a year, record-breaking year. Uh, he's broken a few. He broke the all-time points record in the NFL uh, this season. So uh, got to give the nod to the goat. Twenty third year in the NFL. Uh, only ten athletes in pro sports left that started in the '90s, and he's one of them. Yeah. So shout out uh, Adam Vinatieri. And all pro sports. Uh, well. The four major American sports. Yes. Um, there's 10 players left from the 90s. Yes. Uh, and also another shout-out, Pat McAfee, uh, for the brand, Adam Vinatieri. Yeah. Pat McAfee, the GOAT in, Dude, the, he's, in the podcast world. He's, sure. he's hilarious. Uh, but now let's get to the position players and the, the nitty-gritty of what we really want to talk about here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's just start off uh, with the quarterback. And, I mean, I got to give it to Patrick Mahomes. He he's had an incredible year, 4,300 yards, 43 passing touchdowns, 66.8 percent uh, completion percentage. He's averaging 330.8 yards per game. Uh, a lot of people have him as the MVP favorite. Um, if he throws four strike, if he throws four tutties a game, yeah, he'll tie Peyton Manning's record. Exactly. Like he, he all he needs is. 12 more touchdowns to tie the record. In three games, which is tough. But It's tough, but hey. The, he's throwing five. The, the Kansas City Chiefs have a high-powered enough offense to where he has four different options to throw it to Especially for a touchdown. Especially without Kareem Hunt now. Even, with, even without Kareem Hunt. You still have Hill. You have Hill, you have Kelsey. No, I mean, it helps him not having Kareem Hunt. He's, gonna, he's, more, yeah, he's, likely throw to, it. he's more likely to throw it. when they're. You, you see know. they signed Kelvin Benjamin, too? Yep, that's whatever. And it's crazy. He's doing all of this, and it's only his second year. Yeah. That, that, that baffles me. Watching him? Yeah, his first year starting, too. Yeah, and uh, he's he's been able to really take control of that offense. And, 
somehow Andy Reid has been able to keep his team from uh, not shitting the bed in the second half of the year. Oh, he's got three important games left that he can definitely shit the bed still. <laughs> um, next, uh, I got to go uh, for my running back, Todd Gurley. Uh, he's the best running back in the NFL. I don't think there's any question about it. Even with Le'Veon Bell sitting uh, sitting out the year, uh, even if he were to have played this year, I still think Todd Gurley uh, is the best running back in the NFL. He has uh, over 1,700 all-purpose yards, 19 total touchdowns uh, to lead the league uh, in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He He's the head of uh, one of the most high-powered offenses we've ever seen. Yeah, uh, And for him to to keep on pace and even surpass what he did last year before even before the season is over has just been completely remarkable no it's great what you're saying too just because you're saying he is the focal point of the offense and it you know clearly showed on Sunday against the loss to the Bears they don't give him the ball they don't score yeah uh it's it's tough to move the chains when you don't uh give the ball to your your best player no yeah as soon as the as soon as you get a little confident in the passing game and you try to start the game out by passing it, if it doesn't work right away and you get down and then all of a sudden you're forced to pass, all of a sudden you had no opportunity to give him the ball. And now when you're down, you can't give him the ball then, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, because you're forced to throw. Because so, unfortunately, because they've been so good with the pass and all that, they're going to they're gonna feel comfortable throwing the ball early. But if it doesn't work early then and the other team scores points, it's tough to run the ball when when you're behind. So you got it. You have to. You got to feed him the rock early. Yeah, definitely. Early, girly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. He's definitely one of those players where he's he's the kind of player where he's the tone setter. He need yeah. He he's the tone setter. He needs the he needs the ball to to start his momentum that he he'll be able to carry it throughout the game. Uh, but moving on to the next position, uh, we'll go with tight end. I think this is a no-doubter. Uh, Zach Ertz from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's having a record-setting year. He's got 98 receptions, over 1,000 receiving yards, only six touchdowns. It's kind of been a disappointing year for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I think he has been the bright spot for them this year. Yeah, he's uh, uh, when their receiving core at, at wide receiver has been a little bit banged up, uh, Carson Wentz hasn't been as great as he was before the injury last season. But uh, Zach Ertz has been the bright spot for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. And the record-setting pace that he's on, uh, it's well-deserved uh, first-team All-Pro nod for him this season. Yeah, Zach Ertz is the man. I mean, he put himself in the, the Gronk and Kelsey category. 100%. So 100%. He's definitely just a franchise tight end for them. Well, and it's it's interesting because a lot of people before the season were saying it would probably be – Gronk, Kelsey, and then maybe Tyler Eifert in Cincinnati. But the problem with Tyler Eifert is he can't stay healthy. Uh, Zach Ertz has a problem with health as well. But this year he's been able to stay out there uh, and stay consistent. Yep, staying healthy. That's that's one of the most important things you got to do first. And that's why he's on track to break Jason Witten's record for most catches by a tight end. Yeah. Uh, And now for the three wide receivers, uh, I could have gone a whole bunch of different ways. There's uh, lots of deserving receivers in today. Yeah, this is always the hard part when you get down to the receivers. The wideouts? Yeah. Um, list. But uh, I went with uh, three receivers. Uh, th- all three of them are in the top five in receiving yards uh, this season uh, for the NFL. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think he's had a breakout season. 
Uh, and some people even think last year was his breakout year, and he even stepped it up even more uh, this year. So the Saints have definitely gotten more uh, than I think what they were expecting out of Michael Thomas so early on in his career coming out of Ohio State. But 102 receptions, over 1,200 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, he's been the number one receiving option for Drew Brees uh, for the past two years. Uh, and he's been able to build off the success he had last year. And I just think he's deserving of this uh, first-team all-pro nod. Yeah, no, he's definitely deserving. There's a lot of guys deserving, but he definitely can be at the top of the list. He wants to be regarded as the best. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's definitely knocking on that door of uh, a top five receiver in, in the NFL, uh, especially after the season he's had this year. Uh, now the wide receiver, the next wide receiver I want to talk about uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, Tyreek Hill. Oh yeah, uh, Ty Freak man. Yeah, he's a, yeah. I mean, he's a freak. That's that's the best way to describe. Any time he touches the ball, it's a touchdown threat. He has only seventy four receptions this year, but he has. 1,258 receiving yards, which is second most in the NFL. He has 11 touchdowns, and it's just – He does it all. He's fun to watch, too. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a Rams fan, but I've also kept up just on the Kansas City games just because of Mahomes and him. Yeah, they're yeah, fun he, to watch. He's... Watching both of them is crazy high-powered offense. And you never, you never know what he's going to do because he's so fast, and the way he's able to change direction and his lateral movements and just the way he moves on the field, it's – it's just – it's incredible to watch. Yeah, he, yep, he's definitely deserving. I think he's going to end up getting one of the nods. Yeah, uh, and then the last receiver, uh, a lot of people might uh, – a lot of people might not uh, agree with this uh, just because of his touchdown production. But I think, once again, Julio Jones, yeah. first-team All-Pro. Yeah. He's leading the league in receiving yards. He's got 94 receptions, uh, 14 – uh, 1,429 receiving yards. Uh, yeah, just, he's just like, I think he's the best. In the yeah, game. I still th I still think he's the best receiver in the game. If you could mold a receiver with Clay, it would end up coming out like Julio Jones. Exactly. Like, he's the, the stereotypical prototype receiver, and he, he does it all. Yeah, and this touchdown thing is not going to – when his career is over, that's not going to be the, the story. No, it's it's not. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, – just to reiterate, uh, my first-team All-Pro uh, quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, running back, Todd Gurley, tight end, Zach Ertz, wide receiver, Michael Thomas, wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, wide receiver, Julio Jones, left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, right tackle, Rob Havenstein, left guard, Roger Saffold, right guard, Zach Martin, center, Jason Kelsey, and kicker, the GOAT, Adam Vinatieri. Could have got two Kelseys on there. That would be cool. I could have, but Zach Ertz is just – No, I, no Zach Ertz is definitely getting that award. All right, now to the other side of the ball. Yeah, um, this one I feel like there's a lot of these guys are just – it was pretty easy. Um, DB was a little bit harder because there's a lot of different ways you can take it. Um, but I'll, I'll start out with the, the most uh, the most exciting guys. That's the edge guys. Um, the edge guys are kind of, you know, the high-profile guys that we talk about every week. Um, and I got Denver's Vaughn Miller and Chicago's Cleo Mack. Um, the interior D lineman, I, I went with uh, Aaron Donald, who I think is an obvious choice, and J.J. Watt, who I think is another obvious choice. Um, so my D line of Cleo Mack, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt. Sign me up. I think all those guys are freaks. They're all studs. Um, they're all uh, in the top. Um, they're on the top ten in sacks. 
Cleo Max sacks aren't actually as high as the other guys, but, but we've all seen the evolution of Chicago's defense. You know what I mean? It's, and what he's able to do by himself, the impact he has on the game. It's yeah, saw it Sunday. The eyeball, yeah. the eyeball test with Cleo Mack. You just constantly see him disrupting everything. Um, Aaron Donald, we've we've spoke about him a bunch. MVP, having a, a career year. Uh, he's kind of shown you the future of the interior lineman uh, because of how the game is produced into a passing league. Um, these aggressive, uh, you know, penetrating inside uh, interior D linemen are the future, um, and he's a stud. So, and I like to see JJ Watt back in the mix. That's that's also. Um, I'm so nice happy that see. he's been able to stay healthy this year. Yep, him and Andrew Luck both came back, and they're just the guys that they were. Uh, before so 100 percent, definitely stoked about that uh moving on the linebackers uh this one to me the third position i thought you could go a couple different ways i think bobby wagner and luke keekley are the guys that everybody talks about um they're the ones bobby think, wagner coming up huge last night yeah bobby's the man um if you're a <laughs> seattle fan you love bobby obviously i don't know i would it'd be weird to see what the rest of the league's fans think about bobby wagner i don't know if he's a household name even though he's been in Pro Bowls and all that kind of stuff, he still plays in Seattle. Todd Gurley was tweeting um, about him last night. Yeah, and I think that I think now he probably is a little more well known. I mean, he won a Super Bowl, he went to two, so he probably is a little more well known. Uh, but he's having a great year, uh, sixth in the league in tackles, um, getting sacks and picks, eleven pass deflections, which was crazy to me um, as a linebacker. And then Luke Keekley, um, we know his responsibility with Carolina's great defense. Uh, he's had four pass deflections, two sacks, 111 tackles, which is fourth in the league. And then my third spot, I went with Kiko Alonso. Uh, this is another guy. Out of Miami. This is another guy that I think is a um, eyeball test guy. Every time you see him in pads, he just looks like a freak. Um, he's so athletic. Yeah. Um, he's running around. He's tall. He's lanky. Uh, he's he's also crazy. Yeah, and he's crazy. He's he is your old school throwback middle linebacker. Wasn't um, he? The, didn't he like hit himself in the head with his helmet? Yeah, I think so. Yep, <laughs> got to uh, warm up somehow, right? Yeah, I exactly. guess. And he's got you know he's got three picks, three forced fumbles. He's third in the league in tackles. Um, I think he's deserving of this award, but I I don't think he's gonna end up getting it. He's the one. He's, That's more your dark horse pick, huh? Yeah, he's like the one on my list. I think is the least likely to be on the actual All Pro teams, but. Still, he I think still he can land um, land in there. Uh, then going on to the DBs, the back four. This one was really tough for me because I think with cornerbacks, stats aren't always very telling. Um, I think cornerback stats kind of show you the team success rather than the individual. Because if you're a really good corner, they're not throwing at you, so you don't have a you don't have a ton going on. So. Uh, with that being said, my first guy is Jalen Ramsey, who's caught a lot of uh, he's caught a lot of heat, but he's caught a lot of heat because they've been um, bad. But I, I definitely just don't do not think it's his fault. Um, I think it all stems to Leonard Fournette's health and the play of Blake Bortles. Um, a lot of dysfunction in the locker room as well. That defense being on the field all the time. Um, he he's not giving up. He's not giving up enough plays to where I think he's like falling off or he's the. Uh, People are still afraid of him. They're still not throwing his way. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, there have been quarterbacks that he's that he talked about uh, before the season and during the season that have made him look like a fool. And then there's also been quarterbacks that he talked about that he's made look like a fool yeah, and he, made him look like exactly what he said playing, about him. He's playing outside receivers. He played in 93 percent of their snaps this year. Um, only five percent of those snaps were in the slot. So 
basically exclusively an outside corner. Um, he's he's targeted seven times a game, so he is targeted. Um, but his his catch his target uh, catch rate is twenty six point seven percent. So I think pretty impressive. You know, he, he's a stud. He's kind of the one that I'm a little defensive of because he's on a bad team. Um, but I still think he's deserving. Uh, Kyle Fuller is the other guy. Um, this is a guy that's got all the stats. Um, he's on. I think Chicago is probably the best defense in the league. Um, he leads the league in pass deflections with 19. Leads the league in picks with seven. Um, Chicago's defense has been stellar, so I think he's definitely getting in there. And then at safety, I got Harrison Smith and Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson's the third bear on my <laughs> All-Pro defense. Um, I tried hard. I tried not to, but. Um, all three of those guys were studs. Um, Eddie Jackson has got five picks at safety, tied for fourth in the league. Um, 13 pass deflections, which is third in the league. Um, Harrison Smith is kind of the anchor of that great Minnesota defense. Um, again, I think Minnesota is another team where uh, their offense is to blame, not necessarily the defense. Yeah. And then we're going to finish it out with my boy at punter, Michael Dixon. <laughs> uh, the whole reason why I wanted to shout out the uh, – it's the, the only reason he wanted to include kicker and punter so he could shout out Michael Dixon. Yeah, he's Let's a hear the shout out. He's a rookie punter for Seattle. Uh, he's an Australian-born kid that just started playing tackle football. Um, only punter in college football history to win the Lou Groza Award, which is best punter, uh, or the Ray Guy Award. Sorry, Ray uh, Guy. Ray yeah. Guy Award, best punter. Um, he's third in the league in average. He's first in the league in net average. Uh, and the thing about him, if you haven't seen him play, is that he's an extremely crafty guy, an extremely versatile kicker. Um, we'll use him on onside kicks, and he'll kick it off the ground. Um, he can drop kick a field goal. Uh, you know, he ha he's an amazing punter as far as his location. Uh, he's the future of, of punter. Yeah. He, he brings more to the table than just a strong leg. All right. Um, so, yeah, to, to run it back really quick, um, I got Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, and then Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley, uh, Kiko Alonzo, and then the back four, Kyle Fuller, Jalen Ramsey, Harrison Smith, and Eddie Jackson. And then to round it out with the special teams, my boy Michael Dixon. It's, it's funny. Before, Obviously, this was before the, the Khalil Mack trade, but you would have thought there would be at least three Rams on uh, first-team all-defense yeah. uh, based off of – on paper stuff before the season. Uh, and now you got the the Bears is probably the, the best defense in the in the oh, entire league. Yeah, by far. Yeah, no, the Bears the Bears got it. Um LA because their big name corners didn't play a lot. That takes a lot out of it. It'd be really tough for Indomitian Sue to be all pro playing next to Aaron Donald. And then I think yeah. the linebackers are the linebackers and safeties are the weakness. I don't think they had a shot. No, no. So no. you're just talking Sue, Peters or a keep to leave and two of those guys that were injured or out. Yeah, exactly. Out, yeah. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, no, I mean they uh Aaron Donald for sure. I mean to have one all pro on your defense is is, is legit. No, for know? sure. Uh, no. Chicago having three I think is gonna happen and that's gonna be crazy. No, it's a, it's definitely a luxury to have, especially going into going into the playoffs. Well, they were they were a team when the season started I thought we were gonna be a bottom ten team, so it's crazy. Well, who predicted uh, their coach to be coach of the year? That's, this guy. Yeah, that's a good one. If he wins it, he he probably he probably will. Nah. Who's gonna win it? I mean, right now I think Sean Payton. Um, I don't think so. Not after them losing. Gonna, but I mean, well, they still got the best record in the league. They're not. Know. They're not gonna give it to McVay. 
No, they won't give it to McVay. Just I'm not saying for yeah, McVay to win it. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's either between Sean Payton or Andy Reid. No, got to throw Matt Nagy in there. Nagy, he's in the mix, but he's not. I don't think he's a legit threat to win it. All right. From, from the gridiron to the hardwood, let's move to the starting five. Uh, a lot to talk about. A lot of bittersweetness going on uh, this season in the NBA Hell yeah. with uh, Dwayne Wade's final season. Uh, but uh, a lot's being talked about, uh, especially yesterday, uh, with it being Dwayne Wade and LeBron James's last game against each other uh, in the NBA. There really hasn't been a friendship in the NBA like, or really at, between any athletes, uh, like the friendship that Dwayne Wade and LeBron had. Yeah, Magic and Bird, I think, are the only two that are tied together. Magic and Isaiah, even though they had the falling out and they just recently had the... But, like, Magic and Bird's stories are yeah. linked together. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, but that was more of, like, a rivalry, though. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. No, it was, and, and and so was Dwayne Wade, but... Dwayne Wade and LeBron di- was definitely a rivalry, and then... It's different, though. Yeah, it is different because they played together. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James' friendship and kind of the culture shift uh, that they they started in the NBA with players uh, from other teams being open and outward about their friendships with players on other teams uh, and then eventually teaming up together and kind of making it known that they wanted to to team up together and chase championships together. Yeah. So, I mean, what what, what do you guys uh, think about that? Well, I mean, I think it was only right, too, that at one point they were going to join a team together. Not saying that I foresaw it, but – both coming out of the 2003 class, arguably one of the best draft classes. But I think it was great seeing each other, you know, uh, when they did play on different teams, you know, LeBron with the Cavs, mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne Wade with the Heat. But then eventually coming together and winning two championships and getting to four straight finals. I mean, come on, that's a that's a hell of a friendship. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's for me, I just growing up. Growing up here in L.A. and watching, like, Kobe my entire life, I feel like Kobe had that mentality of where, like, no in, one, between yeah, those, in between yeah. those four lines, I'm not friends with nobody. Yeah, no one's your friend. And it's like I just remember vividly when LeBron left the Heat, went back to Cleveland, and it was LeBron's first game against the Heat, and LeBron and D-Way did their handshake at midcourt. I was yeah. really upset about it. And – that but that's part of the culture shift that D Wade and LeBron's friendship really started in the NBA uh with players being uh friendly towards each other on the court uh and making it really known and with social media we really see a lot more than what we did uh in the past yeah cuz you didn't see that before in the early 2000s and the 90s and 80s you didn't see that no definitely not in yeah, the you, 80s for sure you wanted to rip each other apart when you got on the court yeah no and off the court they're definitely like the uh they started the – they brought the new culture in. Um, they're, they're also the babies of the new free agency. So yep. they kind of – and they're the babies of uh, social media. So they LeBron, they were just the big names of the era that that was where the game was coming. And so um, if they're the, the leaders and that's the kind of guys they are, I hated it when, it's, when it came around. I remember when all this, like the Banana Boat Boys, um, the 2000 yeah. – the, uh, the 2000 – well, well, 
what was the 2008 Olympic team? Um, the Redeem you know, team. Redeem, yeah. Yeah, those guys trying to plan out a super team. You know, this was all new to the NBA world. We had never been exposed to it, and that's part of their legacy. I mean, that's part of why LeBron and D Wade are so great. Um, now, you know, you may be one of those guys that wants. I think it's going back the other way. I think it's turning back into um, there's cliques and people that don't like each other, and for it's sure, it's more pettiness. Um, it's not like I think it was a really short window with the LeBrons, the Dwight Howards, the Kevin Durants, the Mellow CP3, yeah, D Wade stuff. Um, that group, those guys were tight off the court and they were friends off the court. Um, and so it was a really hard pill to swallow because of the you wanted to see the competitiveness, but that's just part of their that's part of their legacy, that's who they are. Um, it's not necessarily everyone's favorite, but I think that's part of what makes them great. I think I think it's interesting though that you think that it is going to be a short window of this whole like buddy buddy thing because I really actually, actually I completely disagree to be perfectly honest with all due respect. Yeah. Uh, I think because of the social media and like with players like Lamelo and Zion and all mm -hmm. these players that have yeah. like grown up in the social media age yeah. that we've seen play basketball in front of these big crowds yeah. and played either on the same AAU teams yeah, or in the same yeah, AAU yeah, tournaments. Yeah. They all know each other. They've known each other yeah. for four, five, six You're gonna years. You're going to be way more loyal to your players um, than you are, like, teams. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, fuck the teams. They don't, like, all they do is write the, the paycheck. You know, they make money off these guys. There's no loyalty from the team to the player. Um, but with the players, you're right. Um, they are going to be friends. But I think what's happening is – there's like clicks forming. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so it's not necessarily that there isn't friends. There is, there's going to be like, you know, there's going to be Kentucky guys that, you know, there's going to be a Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker saying we should team up. Oh, for sure. But like Devin Booker still saying it's Phoenix is my team and yeah. we're, we're going to be the, the power, not like go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so that's like where I think it's going to, you're going to start getting these weird little separations. Maybe it's the Nike kids yeah. and the Adidas kids or the West coast kids and the East coast kids and all these weird little, um, niche clicks. I Jelly think fam, gonna, jam I, fam. And yeah, I think that you're, you're yeah, right. All that kind of the, stuff. The, yeah. all, you're right. <laughs> yeah. They're all going to know each other, but. I think it's going to get more competitive, and it's not. It's like oh no, I'm not the saying Russell, the competitiveness the Russell, is going to go down. Oh no, that's that's always not, there, and it's coming the, back again are, for they sure. They always yeah. compete, but I mean the the competitive as like me against you. Oh yeah, like if you're not on our team, the Rondos, um, well, I guys like that, you know, that really do hate playing the other team. Did you guys see what Gianna said a couple exactly? Of I was just a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. him so, and, and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, what did yeah. what did Gianna say? Well, that he he doesn't want to work out with you during the summer because right. you're all buddy he buddy. And he then passed on workouts with Durant and LeBron and all these guys. Yeah, because yeah, you're shooting with them in the summer. You know, you guys are cool going to dinner after you know practice, right. and then you know a couple months later, you guys are facing each other on the okay, court. Okay, and see now the game's becoming more of a world game. So then there's another click. You know, it's yeah. Um, it's going to, I think it's going to come back. It's just going to be different. It's always, we're going to, and, and with the social media stuff, we're just so much more closer to it all. Yeah. I mean, no, like what's crazy, like, re like reading article, I read an article yes, uh, yesterday about, uh, D Wade and LeBron's relationship. Brian Windhorst wrote it for ESPN. And it was like, when like D Wade would go to Cleveland in the early like 2000s, like when they were rookies, sophomores, and like f third, four year uh, guys in yeah. the league. 
uh, whenever they would go into each other's cities, the night before the game, they'd be like going out to dinner, going yeah. to the movies. Yeah. Yeah. See, I find that really weird. You exactly. have a game against the guy the next day. Exactly. Like, see, I never, I never could understand that. And like seeing all the like, like even this year we saw Kyrie and Kyle Lowry do a do a handshake. We yeah. saw, yeah. Uh, we've seen LeBron do a handshake when he went back to Cleveland with all his Cleveland teammates. Um, so the superstars are de- the superstars are definitely always going to be like. There's going to be some mutual respect. They're going to be yeah. There's always going to be mutual from, respect, like but, you said, but there is like the the, the Giannis's and the the Butlers and one name out uh, people don't really think about is Damian Lillard. He doesn't really like a lot of people either. Yeah, he sticks agreed. to his own team. And he's a small school guy. He was he was got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Um. So there's going to be, th- but most of the guys that are still doing it are that one little era. Yeah. Um. Where that that was really how that era is defined. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely that's how, you know, they brought they brought small ball the three point, the three point shot, and they brought the social media buddy buddy shit. Yeah, just the age of sensitivity. Everybody has to be and friends, the, right? And the free yeah. Agency, you Michael know, like, Michael Rappaport likes to call it the skinny genification. Of oh the yeah, the, <laughs> that's a, know, the free, yeah. The free agency rules change too, so I mean that's part of the part you know part of it. Yeah, um, the NBA is just evolving into yeah. into it's different. And that's why that's why I'm more of a players guy than a team guy. Anyways, I mean, I feel way more loyalty to a player than to a team. Yeah, for sure. see, for you know? it, it's interesting, like, because I ju- I remember, like you say, like you're more loyal to the player than the team. I remember yeah. when Kobe was going through all the the radio tour where he was like demanding trades to the Clippers, to the Bulls, yeah. all these teams, and it was like, I just remember thinking as a kid, like. If Kobe were to leave the Lakers, it was like, yeah, I'd still be a Kobe fan, but like, I'd still, I wouldn't root for whatever team Kobe went to. I would still yeah. be a Laker fan. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, you can root for who you want to win or lose, but really, I'm just, I'm more of. There's players that I like. Um, and it's rare that I don't like players, you know. Oh, and there's definitely like, some players you don't like, Tyler. We did a whole are. pickup game last week of, yeah. with players you don't it was, like. It was tough to, it was tough to make. Too. I feel like that's a long list. No, 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 it was tough. Not a long list. No, no it was it, tough. It was tough to make. But it helps if you went to Duke. He probably doesn't like you. But but it's oh. like there there you go. You know, I have loyalty with Seattle kids um, that grew up in Seattle that yep. are pros. I have loyalty with Tar Heels that. Are, are in the pros, you know what I mean? That like, you followed maybe from high school yeah, into, there's into like, college. There's that, those are the kind of things where I feel way more responsible to the I – re, I just – to the player than to the owner. Like the owner yeah. and the team, like they don't care. You know what I mean? Oh, the no, player, it's, a, it's a business. They don't yeah, – Well, yeah. it's, it's not I'm, – I'm a fan of eras of teams. So, like, when you get coaches and GMs together and they yeah. have a personality, um, that's why, like, I loved it, you know, when – uh, when um, fuck, I just lost uh, lost it. Like Mike, when Mike D'Antoni was with the Suns, like oh, I don't with Mike D'Antoni and Steve Kerr, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm not a huge Mike D'Antoni fan, but like that little era with Nash and all those guys, like I like that team. Yeah, that doesn't mean I have to like the Suns. Forever. You love the Bad Boy Pistons, yeah, and that that doesn't mean I have to like the Pistons every year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can be a fan of like a style of play or something that you know. Yeah, like when the Lakers when the Lakers had had all these down years the past uh, five six years. And the Warriors were forming their super team. I wasn't really hating on the Warriors like a lot of people were. I I enjoyed watching a lot of fun basketball games because of the style of play they they played, and it, it was fun, enjoyable basketball to watch. And so those, that's kind of where I think like you know LeBron and D Wade's friendship is like kind of just showing it's it's a player's game. Yeah, for sure. Um, but speaking of uh, generations and things of that nature. Uh, 
we've Tyler and I have talked about it uh, probably a few, more than a few times on the show, but since Jacob's here, we kind of wanted to talk about it again. But uh, what are what are some of your favorite jerseys, Jacob? Like NBA jerseys, like throughout the years. Throughout the years, uh, or if like you got like a dope throwback, like you like to wear, or uh, something something just dope. Any dope jersey you like? Uh, well, I am wearing the uh, All Star '95 yeah, so NBA that, jacket. Th- that those jerseys were fire. Yeah, Those back in the days, yeah, the San Antonio ones were really nice too. Yeah, which is um, funny because like in the '90s, you thought they were just horrendous. Yeah, just because of all the bright colors and stuff like that. And, but and just like the like a bunch of graphics and yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know? but now they're just sick. Yeah, but I think throwback wise, the Raptors jerseys were always my favorite when uh, T Mac and Carter yeah. played for them. Yeah. Um, Shaq uh, Orlando days. Yeah, those, those, ones were, those cool. were my favorite just because they had the pinstripe. Like you didn't really see a lot of teams doing that. Definitely yeah, some um, classics. Bucks, Bucks during Ray Allen's era to me were oh, one of the my purple, favorites. The purple yes. ones, yeah. yeah, they were a little hideous to some people, but that, with, that's another one. But the, the, the green and purple kind of worked for me. That's another one at the time. It, it wasn't as well respected as it is now. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like my my favorite jersey of all time is obviously the Raptors dinosaur one, uh, and then my favorite Lakers jersey actually is the original Sunday whites that they came out with that they would only wear on uh, Sunday home games. Yeah. Uh, in like uh, the mid two thousands, Kobe scored eighty one. When Kobe first got the white jerseys, yeah, Kobe Kobe dropped eighty one uh, in the white jersey in a Sunday home game. Yeah, uh, I remember that. That was a big deal because they only walked, rocked yellow and purple for a long time. For a long time. Well, now they just rocked the uh, bright ass orange, uh, yellow ones on yeah, Sundays. Yeah, the highlighter yeah. yellow. Not a fan of those. Tell you that. Do you like the new the new city edition ones this year with the pinstripes? They're a little bit better. I do prefer the Hollywood Knights ones when they were the still original with, Hollywood yes, Knights. Yeah, when they were still with Adidas. Uh, now they shifted over to Nike, but I yeah. think those are a lot better. That's like close to this one, but it's very not, close to yeah, the one it's, Tyler's it's wearing. It's not this one. Uh, no, I I liked last year's city edition jersey better, the Black Mamba one with the snake skin better than the pinstripe one this year, but the pinstripe one's growing on me. I just don't think there's anything better than the classic purple Lakers one for the Lakers. Yeah, see, that's the, the best. That's my the fa- best Lakers. Jersey. Yeah, the the it's purple with the yellow writing. Yeah, I think the '90s font was like the best font with the kind of shadow. No, like, I think the Showtime where, one is better. Where see, I, where the skinnier letters. Yeah. Yeah, see, I like the the like the late ninety um, Kobe, Nick Van Exel, Eddie the ninety six, ninety eight, just to where 98 it has that ones. looks like it has that little bit of a three D look. That's kind of what like they the tried block to, number. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what they tried to do with it no, this year. Yeah, exactly. I I liked um, I liked that look. Okay, um, but also um, we're, we were talking about D Wade and LeBron's yeah. culture shift. Uh, it's interesting. Obviously, this is D Wade's last year. It's his sixteenth year in the league. Uh, what he started to do uh, is swap jerseys with a player from each team the last time he plays that team. Uh, and it actually, he said that it, it was only meant to be for the Banana Boat crew originally, and then it kind of just took on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so last night, obviously, we saw Dwayne Wade and LeBron James do their jersey swap. Um, do you guys like the whole jersey swap idea between players? Uh, and do you think this uh, trend that D Wade is uh, starting with his uh, farewell tour in the NBA, which is similar to the current trend in the NFL, do you think uh, that trend will kind of take on in the NBA? I think it will. Um, the only thing I have to say about it, though, is that I think he maybe should have just kept it to the banana boat, you know, crew, but extended just a little bit. I, this whole thing of him swapping it with like 
every single you know team or at least a member from every team I don't know to me that's a bit excessive but keeping it within like his like draft class and you know like you said uh, we were talking about this the other day uh, him and Vince Carter on the Hawks you wouldn't give it to Trey Young you'd probably give it to Vince Carter right so something like that but I wouldn't necessarily give it to you know every player on a you know or a player on every team well I think I think what's cool with what he's doing with or by doing it with uh, every team is I think he's doing it with either a player he really respects yeah. or and has played a long time with or and had a lot of battles against in the league, or he's giving it to a young player who he thinks yeah. uh, has a bright future in the league uh, and kind of now taking that. I don't think that, he's just handing them out either. No, yeah, I don't think he's see, just handing them out. If he was just handing them out, I feel like that's No, just, I think it's very feels, calculated in who no, he's choosing. He feels no pressure to hand these bitches out. He's well, he gave like, Josh Hart his shoes last night too. Yeah, but that's, that's different yeah, than no, the no, jersey. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, different than the jersey swap, but still. Because he gives, like, he get, like he doesn't give them the jersey that he wore yeah, that he game. He has them, a pre-selected jersey autographed and signed with a little note. Yeah. Um, like it was funny the the LeBron jersey that he 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 signed, uh, it didn't say two LeBron, it said two number six. Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. He had a whole his was cool on LeBron. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of cool. But no, yeah. it's a, that's a dope uh, thing to start happening. I, I think it's just gonna be the trend. Like I said, you're gonna see the you're gonna see the Kentucky and the Duke kids swapping jerseys. You're gonna see the kids that played in high school together swapping jerseys. Yeah, you see that it's, a lot in the NFL right now. Dwayne Wade's got a little special time where it's like a prestigious thing, and I think everyone that's playing against him is fucking hoping that they're the <laughs> ones to get the jersey. Yeah, like, but he has such a status and such a power in the NBA that you don't approach him. I don't think superstars like Josh Hart I, approached him and asked him for his, to sign his sh- or asked him for his shoes. So yeah, and that's and see, a that's lot of people. Ballsy. A lot of people approach. Like I would never do that. I think those kind of players are kind of like corny. A, a lot of people approach Kobe during his farewell tour to yeah, sign I think shoes. That's just cornball. Really? Yeah. I forget who it was. The NFL player was it Jason Witten? Um, was talking. Oh yeah, Jason Witten. Jason Wynn only gave one jersey to out, Zach Ertz. And it was Zach Ertz. Yeah. And he said that people would ask him all the time, and he said no. And I remember watching, like, a special on it one time, and a lot of players say no. Well, Tom Brady – Is uh, that the one? The, well, that there's – I think some special? teams – Well, I think some teams have a rule, and I think the Patriots are one of them where their players aren't – You can't give away those because they're worth no, money. They're, like, no, no, not even that. It's they can't do it on the field in public. They have to do it like in the back in the locker room oh, or in the in whatever. the tunnel. Yeah, which is still um, getting done then. Yeah, but like, but I Tom Brady just doesn't give his jersey out to any willy nilly player asking for it. It was that's dope. I would do that every single game if I was a player. Like, uh, that's like the sickest. Shit yeah, in the because world to me that would like, be awesome to have that collection. Okay, so like I went to high school with uh, Mitch Richmond's kid, uh, one of my best friends in high school, Philip Richmond. Shout out my guy Phil. Um, and in, uh, they're like in Mitch's like game room in their house, the Olympic team that Mitch played yeah, on, he 96. has every, si- every single Jersey from the entire team See, that's on the wall signed. Have, yeah. The Olympic jerseys are their like team jerseys. No, the Olympic not the Olympic jersey, but they're like replicas of what they wore in the Olympics. No, yeah, but they're, it's an it's a USA jersey, not yeah. like every play, yeah. No, it's a Team USA I jersey. Ni- I know the '96 team well. That was like I was obsessed with that team. Yeah, so I had the poster with the whole team on it. I had the starting lineup, the whole set. I have every single '96 uh, Olympian. Yeah, so like it, it's a circular room, so it's cool, yeah. and they're up in the up in God, the that's up so in much the, money. Yeah, well. Oh my God! No, I mean not that he's, he's not gonna sell it, but yeah, no, no, he's not gonna sell but it. But then think it, of like what is hanging. Oh, just for right sure, in that little area. For sure, and um, 
you you would see it a lot on like MTV Cribs when they would do like athletes yeah, where yeah, they yeah. go to like their man cave or whatever. Yeah. You just see all the framed jerseys. Yeah, all the kids uh, you play with in college. I th- I think it's so dope. Uh, Gilbert Arenas has my favorite one because he actually collects. He'll he he buys. Um, game worn jerseys he doesn't even like go through the players anymore i'm sure he went through the players when he was playing but um and i only know this because of a guy in la that told me this that <laughs> works at like a, a a shop one of those shops those high-end like uh resale shops and uh i saw his closet and he just has like this two level closet of just jerseys yeah and they're all game worn nuts you know and it looks like one of these crazy celebrity closets just like full of like what just looks like it's full of jerseys and like you would think at a store, yeah. but these are all like game worn jerseys, and that's all he rocks. It's pretty sick. Yeah. And, and he doesn't. The thing I like about it is because he doesn't even have them like framed or like it on. He the just play. has them on the hangers. They're just yeah, they're like in the he's city ready in the closet. to like he's ready to rock it anytime. <laughs> and Gilbert would be Gilbert's the type of guy to rock those. Oh, hell yeah, he was rocking an Allen Iverson game worn jersey when I met him at uh, GNC that one time. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's. That's kind of the off the court stuff we wanted to talk about here. Now let's now let's get more on court. Uh, now we're about a third of the way through the NBA season. Now uh, we're approaching the new year, getting closer to Christmas, and that's usually that Christmas game is my favorite. Yeah, everybody everybody says Christmas is the unofficial official start to the NBA season. Uh, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the top five most disappointing starts in the NBA right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys came up with lists. I came up with five lists. I can I can uh, spit some teams. Yeah, out I got, and we can I got kind five. Of talk. All right. Um, well, They're almost all in the West, and it's not four. Four out of the, my five are in the West, and it's all and it's all about uh, it's all about what you're, you know, what you thought you were going to be before the season started. Compared yeah. To now. So, Jacob, what was one of your uh, most disappointing starts for a team i think by far just on my list houston rockets top it for sure because they go to the uh, conference finals last year and they're a powerhouse team quote unquote you know they pick up mellow in the offseason obviously that didn't work out but they still don't blame yeah don't blame mellow it's not not his fault i'm not blaming mellow but i'm just saying that whole situation didn't work out okay but that's fair you know you still have cp3 you still have harden you still have capella and you still have a high-powered offense with d'antoni but it just does not work out. And right now, sitting at the 14th spot in the West, very disappointing. Yeah, being the only like the only team ahead of uh, Phoenix in is he, yeah in in the standings. It's it's not good for yeah. a team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year. Now I they d- blew it. They blew it. <laughs> Look, the West their is window, tough, but their like windows done. They had the number one seed last year. Yeah. They got the home court advantage they needed. But see, is this really a disappointing year because of the offseason moves they chose yeah, not that, to make? Yeah, that, that's why it's disappointing. They've made the wrong moves, personnel-wise. Okay. Okay. And they could lose potential all, pieces now. It all comes down to the moves they made personnel-wise were the wrong moves, and now they've overthought it, and now they're playing bad. They're going to sneak it. They're going to get into the playoffs. But you think you think they'll end up in the playoffs? Yeah, just be, I mean, the win differential right now in the West is ridiculous. It's not like... It's not like they're it's not like they're six and twenty, you know what I mean? They're eleven and four. They're three games under five hundred. Yeah. It's that's like true. in one week they could be five hundred and then in two, three weeks they could be four or five games over five hundred. Um but it's definitely a disappoint it's the we're definitely the number one disappointing start. Um the the only East team I had was Chicago. Same. That was the only East team uh, I had as well. And just because I think that they really sold they sold a pretty package with cool. those 
those five young guys that they wanted. Uh, Markadens had trouble staying on the court, and when he's on the court, he hasn't played as nearly as well as he played last year. Yeah. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. is all right. Chris Dunn went. He, Wendell Carter Jr. is all right in the sense that he's on the right path. Yeah, um, he's he's not the problem. Um, Chris Dunn got hurt. Zach Levine's obviously having a stellar year, uh, but if you're not winning, what does that really mean? And then yeah. Jabari Parker, it's just it's tough to figure out where he fits on a basketball court. Yeah, so, I mean they sold they sold it. I believed in it. I thought they were going to be. I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, but I thought they would actually be more competitive and have some like promise. They need these young guys to play together, but they can't even get them on the court together. Yeah, it's tough when, and then I mean the whole the whole ordeal that happened over the past couple of days uh, with the whole practice situation. Oh, yeah, uh, firing their coach Fred Hoiberg, and then Jim uh, Balin uh, stepping in as the interim head coach. He comes from the Greg Popovich coaching tree. You got people com- complaining about him. Yeah, people people well, basically protest practice or something. Yeah, they're basically protesting practice, saying. Well, basically what Jim Balin said was he this is the way we did stuff in San Antonio and the players basically were like, Well, you're not Greg Popovich. Yeah. Like you're an interim head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not good. So the the they got, revolt, a bunch of, they got a bunch of young they got a bunch of young kids that were told they're gonna be stars. And yeah. It's just not fucking it's not winning games. Yeah, it's tough. And I mean But they have to like keep that's what I mean. That's why this is a disappointing start. They weren't no one expected them to be a playoff team this year. But what you wanted to see was the young guys buying in and playing together and getting and growing together. And when you have dysfunction because, between because, the head coach because and in two the players. Se- in two seasons, that starting five could be really, really good. I mean, yeah. marketing with another year of development, you know, Wendell Carter getting out of his rookie season. Then all of a sudden you're – Zach Levine entering the prime of his career. Zach Levine and Jabari and Chris Dunn all really – being in coming into the prime they're all in their early mid-20s yeah um the, this team could be really good in a couple of years but they're not going to make it in a couple yeah. of years no i think i think honestly this team gets blown up after this year which is terrible they fucked it up yeah uh so the next team that i have as a disappointment this year a lot of people were high on them to start the season they thought they were going to be probably maybe top four seed in the west yep uh, and that's the Utah Jazz. Yep. They're sitting just above the Houston Rockets at 13 and 15. They're 13th in the Western Conference. Uh, all the, uh, I you guess. Got, you, you were just banking on Donovan Mitchell having the magic. Yeah. And you're starting Joe Ingles and Rubio, you know, where they might have had career years last year. So like, But they're not having career years this year. If you're not having career years from those guys, then all of a sudden – what really uh, are, what are you? What are you? And I think you lose a little bit on defense. Having Jay Crowder start over Derek Favors. They're bringing Derek Favors off the bench. Um, they're a little smaller, a little more trendy of a pick. I think they should have stuck with their bigger lineup and played I agree. Utah ball. What do, you, what do you think about Utah, Jacob? Well, like you said, they are sitting just right above Houston. But to their to their point, you know, the, the West is tough to play in. And like Tyler said, like the margin of error in the West is very small. So every, all these teams and like, I mean, look at one through five, a game is separating them. Yeah. So uh, I don't see them missing the playoff. I still have them in the playoffs, but their start is, is disappointing though. So I will have to agree on yeah, that. Their that, start is concerning. It's yeah. One, it's Actually, that more. is a better word. It is concerning just because of where they finished last year. Yeah, and you can't let too many games go by in the West or you'll, and then all of a sudden it's like, 
you're 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 on the outside looking in. Yeah. Um, the other team that I thought was a big the big uh, disappointing start um, doesn't necessarily have to do with it's it. Well, it has everything to do with like their roster and how they've handled their team and their locker room. That's Minnesota. Okay. Um, I yeah. think Minnesota's a disappointment. They they fumbled it um, last year. I think they really. I think this all starts at the last two months of last season when they were a top three seed, almost top four seed, almost all year. And they crumbled at the end. They crumbled at the end of the year. Ended up getting the eight seed. That the, their locker room stuff started coming out. Then obviously the Jimmy Butler shit happens this year. <laughs> they and ship, some, and some new stuff on. came out yeah. about that today. And they mm-hmm. ship they ship him out. Um, so they've completely lost that core of Wiggins, uh, Butler, and Carl Anthony They didn't Townsend. even really give that experiment a chance because no, Jimmy well they, was just like, fuck this, they, I want out. Yeah. Well, they it just, like, fell apart. They they had it in the, at, at the halfway point of last year, they had it all in their hands. And now, before the halfway point of this year, they've lost it all. Yeah. And I, and I didn't pick them to make the playoffs this year because of all this shit. And I really think they're going to miss the playoffs. And I they've just completely mismanaged – um, that locker room, and that's just crazy coming from a Tom Thibodeau team. Yeah, I mean, it's – before before the season started when we made our predictions for who we thought we were going to be in the playoffs, I said, if Minnesota keeps Jimmy Butler, they'll make the playoffs. If they get rid of him, they won't make the playoffs. Right now they're not in the playoffs. They have a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of baggage to deal with. Um, I think Tom Thibodeau is in a position where he's the kind of coach, similar to Jim Harbaugh in football, where he's got a shtick. He's going to stick to it, yep. and if you don't like it, you got to get out, and it wears well, it wears tired on players. But see, their offense, though, who does it run through? It's It has to run through Cat, but if he's not going to give it's the same hard. production. It's just hard to run an offense through a big guy because he, you know. Well, Andrew like, Wiggins hasn't been the, play, see, the number one pick he's supposed yeah, to see, be. The, that's where I'm getting at. He has not shown since he's been drafted at yeah. all. Yeah. At all. No, Wiggins is, Robert Covington uh, is outplaying him. Yeah. Oh, by far. You bring in Jimmy Butler last year, and he kind of had to take a backseat. But still, like even before Butler and now, after Butler, he still hasn't shown out. Wiggins is a solid player, but he just doesn't have the dog in him. Yeah, that he, Jimmy Butler does. I mean, I he's think Canadian. he. I, yeah, he. <laughs> I, I mean, not. not hey, look at Nash. I just the, think I'm he grew the, up uh, in a different culture. That was that that's, was, that's a that horrible was a excuse. Ricoch- that was a ricochet shot at Canada, right no, there. No, but but it has something to do with the culture that you grew up in and wanting to be famous and wanting to be associated with certain yeah. things over being a basketball it's player. It's a lot of people. A lot of people. This kid would have had to really fuck up to not be a basketball player. I mean, he's one of the most gifted players in yeah, the league. Yeah, one of the most gifted athletes in yeah, the league. Yeah, exactly. So he has all the talent in the world. He has way more talent than almost every player in the league um naturally but he just he doesn't have he doesn't got the dog in yeah him. a lot He's of a competitor a lot of players uh he doesn't it, have it's that, either like, are you in the league the are you in the league because you love basketball or are you in the league because you want to be famous and i think he wants to be famous yeah did you guys see the jimmy butler stuff that came out oh, t- yeah. today oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, how many times did he shoot the ball once yeah with the so Apparently what happened in the Jimmy Butler went on JJ Reddick's podcast uh, and talked about the infamous uh, first practice with Minnesota in training camp. And basically what happened was Jimmy Butler was approached by a member of the front office of Minnesota and said, you're practicing today. And Jimmy was like, no, I'm not. And the member of the front office said, you are practicing and you're practicing with the starters. 
Jimmy said, okay, I'm practicing, but it's with the second unit. And the guy said, no, it's with the first unit. And the guy, and Jimmy said, no, I'm practicing. And now I'm practicing with the third unit. And then he proceeded to say that he completely dominated the scrimmages, uh, which was reported, obviously. But what was not reported, uh, according to Jimmy Butler, he only took one was shot. Was goal percentage? One shot. Yeah. And uh, he completely dominated uh, the starters with the third stringers. Uh, so it, it's really interesting to see how that whole thing played out uh, and the success Jimmy's having in uh, Philadelphia and the struggles Minnesota is going through. Uh, now that Jimmy has left, you need you need guys, you need fighters on your team. You can't have a bunch of um, uh, an old man way of saying it. You can't have a bunch of prima donnas. You can't have a yeah. bunch of softies. But you really can't. You gotta. Have, hopefully, he lit something in Cat um, to be that guy. But it's tough for it. It is tough for a bigger guy. It's tough for a big man to be um, the focal point of the offense. Yeah. Uh, were there any other teams you thought had a disappointing start, Jacob? So I have two in the East, one kind of like an honorable mention, but the first one by far is Washington in the East. Yeah. To me, I thought – I mean, the East has always been a little bit weaker than the West, but I thought they were going to be a solid team in the East. Now you have John Wall, Bradley Beal. You gave Porter that big contract. You know, you have youth coming up with uh, Kelly Oubre. Then you go out and sign Dwight Howard, which, <laughs> mind you, he hasn't been maybe the top yeah, dog he w- once was. But he had on. a pretty solid year yeah, last year. You can, you can give him some year. credit, right? But I felt like they should have been towards the latter top of the uh, the East, and they're not. They're looking out, uh, yeah, looking in right now. LeBron, I should say. you know, especially with the whole Cleveland team, just yeah, the East is there for you to take once he leaves. Yeah. But uh, the second one, as honorable mentioned, they're in the playoffs right now. But the Celtics, I have the Celtics as yeah, kind of a yeah. disappointment, they just were because. A borderline team for me. Yeah, too. you have Kyrie coming back, you have Hayward coming back. And you have all that young core that got you to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah, what's in, what's interesting with Boston is even though they are uh, six games over five hundred, uh, they really haven't had the start they wanted. Uh, it's similar to saying like the Warriors having a disappointing start. Like it's because of their standard in which they're held. Yeah, and you would, and everybody thought Boston just would be dominant. They just the haven't been right able now. to figure out how to reincorporate yeah. Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. With uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Yeah, yeah. It's all in Brad Stevens just figuring out the rotation from here to the end of the season. Do you think Boston needs to ship someone out and kind of make some more room? No. Well, I think Rozier, he wants to leave because he was the guy last year. Yeah. When uh, when uh, when Kyrie went out. Rozier's kind of been the odd man out this year. Yeah, so he kind of wants wants out. He wants his own team. He is the odd man out. He's the one you should move if you're going to move somebody. Um, One other team that I – uh, kind of think is, has had a disappointing season, uh, and it's it's really kind of been the telltale sign since last season, uh, when a lot of stuff for this organization was really out of character, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they haven't really gotten off to the start they wanted, uh, even with uh, getting Demar Derozan and the type of player that Demar Derozan is in return for uh, Kawhi Leonard. And pairing him with players like LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Patty Mills, Pal Gasol. Uh, it's been tough, though, for San Antonio with the injury bug with Lonnie Walker, the fourth, and uh, DeJounte Murray uh, going down with injury. Obviously, Murray being out for the entire year. Lonnie Walker should be coming back actually pretty soon. He's in the D League right now. Oh, so that yeah, that's some so, good news for so them. I think he actually played his first game in the D League. 
Um, but a lot of there's been a lot of actually actually a lot of speculation that people in San Antonio think that Greg Popovich might be done after this year. Yeah, he might be tired. You never know. I mean, shit, he's been running this uh, running this organization for twenty plus years. For yeah, twenty years. I guess. So I mean, uh, San Antonio, they're eleventh in the West right now. They're one game under five hundred. They missed the playoffs last year, right? No, they still made the playoffs oh, they last year. It, yeah. They yeah. lost they in the first round. Yeah, they did I didn't have the, I did not have them making yeah. the playoffs this year. Yeah. See, they're an organization though I never worry about because they don't make a lot of noise in the season. But every now and then, like you know, counting their championship years, you never thought they were going to make it to the finals or the Western Conference Finals. So I'm never really worried about them. Nor do I hit the panic button when they're you know out of the playoffs looking in. So to me, do they make the playoffs this year? Maybe maybe not, but if they do, they squeeze in at eight. But to me, that is worrisome for them as an organization, and especially it started last year with everything that happened with Kawhi. Is it's, they're like the Patriots. Tyler and I talk about it all the time. Uh, those two organizations have such a structure, have such a culture, have such a uh, – a, the, the, such the, a, the, they're one of the few organizations where the logo means more than the name on the back of the jersey. Right. They, they're looked at with such high regard – and the way they do things, the way they go about their business, it's it's unlike any other franchises uh, we've ever really seen. And for all the dysfunction to come out last year with Kawhi, uh, them oh not, no, I agree with them you. not to get off to the start that uh, they probably would would have liked, and especially up to pop standards for what he's been dealing with over the past twenty plus years. Uh, I think it's just been really disappointing for them. Yeah, I mean that's an old school coach that doesn't take any BS. So to me, it was that's what I'm saying. I agree with you. To me, it was surprising too with the whole Kawhi him coming out and saying that he didn't like the, the system and that he wanted to leave. He wanted to go to a different team. But again, I don't have a lot of concern. But I do know what you're saying as far as like that 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 organization's always quiet at how they handle yeah. their, their business. Yeah, a lot. Everything's always kept indoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean we went over all my teams. Okay, yeah. So um, now, second to last thing I wanted to talk about uh, involves the Lakers, and that is the news that came out a couple of days ago that the Lakers and Suns have been in talks about a potential trade that would land Trevor Ariza in Los Angeles once again. Uh, KCP would be sent to a team that is to be determined. And I'm assuming Phoenix is looking for assets and or a proven player or two to add to the core of Devin Booker and rookie DeAndre Ayton. I think Phoenix is just trying to dump a player and get a draft pick or uh, an expiring contract. Yeah. Uh, So uh, what I really want to know from you guys is, is Ariza the right fit for the Lakers? And who do you think the third team uh, should be that has that asset that Phoenix might be looking for? Um, I definitely think Ariza is a is a great fit for the Lakers. Um, he'd just be another guy that w- I think would uh, fit in seamlessly, uh, just like Tyson Chandler has, um, and <laughs> all the other you know all the other guys um, that they signed in the offseason. I think KCP is definitely if you can get rid of a guard and get a forward, that's like exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, we just have players at KCP's position. Lance is playing well. Rondo's going to come back from injury. Josh Hart's playing well. Josh I'd rather Hart's take Josh Hart over him as of right now. Hundred percent, I'd yeah, take go, Josh go, Hart going over KCP. Too. Yeah, and well, and then like Brandon Ingram plays a lot of guards, so it's like the two guard minutes are just completely like stacked. It's up. a logjam. Yeah. Um. So you can get rid of him, and Ariza plays defense, spreads the court. It's classic. Shoot Trevor. the three. 
Yeah, he he would be a great fit for the Lakers. Um, Been a champion in the purple and gold before. I think yeah. he's a great series against Denver. I'll never forget it. Yeah, for real, that steal. Yeah, um, I mean, you could see uh, it could be it could be like a, a a Golden State. You know what I mean? They they've got a relationship with the Lakers, um, with Luke and and Steve Kerr. Yeah, and they've got draft. They don't need their draft picks. Um, they could you know they could take on whatever basically give away like a, a 2020 2021 first round pick yeah or maybe they got a draft pick them. way down the line or maybe they got an expiring contract on their bench um you know that's a lot a, of people think that's a team that's off hand but i don't think it, the third team i don't think is going to be much of a factor well see i think it is a big factor because it's all about where because kcp is not going to end up in phoenix so it's all about what Phoenix wants. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of I saw a lot of people uh, on Twitter talking about Philadelphia being the third team, and I don't really understand it because I don't think uh, Phoenix would want the player that a lot of people on Twitter were suggesting, and that tw- that player was Markel Fultz. And I don't think Phoenix would take Markel Fultz in a trade like this. No, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, Why because Phoenix, especially what he's going through with his shoulder injury, yeah, you don't and, want him. And Phoenix, uh, Phoenix he's has dealt with right now. Phoenix has dealt with enough projects. Yeah. Marquis Chris didn't work out. Dragon Bender's not working out. Uh, they, They're almost like the Kings. The Kings, uh, fortunately though, they their organization has panned out so far. I, I think the Kings are in a much better position yeah. than the Phoenix Suns now. But the Suns, for the past couple years though, I don't know. Nah, they got Devin Booker, man. They're good. I'm saying currently, right now, as their team is constructed. Yeah, the Suns got a better roster than the Kings. But the Kings are playing a lot better, though. Yeah, the Kings are playing a lot better. But, dude, you got to have a killer, and you got to have the go-to guy at the end of the game, and they got Devin Booker. Uh, I, I mean, think, I think th- Aiton's better than Bagley. Um, De'Aaron Fox is not anywhere in the same league as Devin Booker. Well, they don't play the same position. No, but they're just like I'm just saying that you know your top guys, your top roster guys. Okay, they're both a young roster. Um, I like the the Phoenix young guys better. But I see that I think that's where Phoenix's problem arises, though. You're giving the responsibility all to Devin Booker. Nobody else is picking up the slack. That's the only way you can win championships. You have to have a stacked super team. That's the only way you can do it now. And you got to hold on to those franchise players when you get them. You cannot let like yeah, you just can't let guys like him go. Even if he's being a hardhead and and pushing people out of town, you got to keep finding the 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 third guy to fit with Booker and Aiden because you got two pieces that everybody wants. I mean, Eric's got a point though. None of their youth has really panned out besides Booker. No, Marcus dra- Chris is gone, and well, that that's why I'm saying it's like I think Phoenix would only take either a draft pick as like a, a quality draft pick as an asset. Like a first rounder down the road from a team that See, is I don't probably think they're asking for that much. I think they're going to get a second round pick or some expiring contract. I don't think these guys are are something that's like going to go to a, a team and change their team dynamic. I don't know. We'll see. It's the the craziest thing is all of this. Like, would you get would you give a first round pickup for KCP or Trevor Ariza? No, not straight up. Well, I, but I mean, those, that's the player. If you, if a team's gonna right, give up I that, know, but I'm saying Phoenix. Phoenix is the type of organization where they they don't really have a good structure to where they're gonna ask for something crazy, and somehow this isn't gonna get done. No, they're usually just gonna ask for a draft pick or a young player. I don't think they're gonna ask for like yeah, they're Eric saying gonna, a big thing. I think they they're trying to get rid of Trevor so they can play their young guys more. Yeah, no, they want to tank this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, they want 
They want another lottery pick. They want to be in the lottery next year with their pick, get another stud, and then they're going to be very, very attractive for a free agent. I mean, all their studs haven't panned out, though. <laughs> they yeah. keep drafting and drafting. But well, Booker is Booker's, a walking bucket. Yeah, but, and DeAndre, but he's an exception, though. DeAndre Ayton and Booker, I think, are going to be the exceptions. Yeah, which is fine. Two out of four, that's good. That's all you need. You know what I mean? You just yeah. got to keep – You've got to keep adding adding studs though. And they got to they got to figure out their point guard problem first. Yeah, exactly. They're not a threat this year though for anybody. No one thought they were no. going to be any good this year. No, um, they didn't expect to be good. So it's all about just like getting your young guys to play as much as possible, develop them, stock draft picks. Yeah, but I mean, would all this all these all this is just pre- preliminary talk because nothing can happen until Saturday on December fifteenth when uh players that signed new contracts yeah. this past offseason can be traded uh so a reason kcp can't be dealt uh it's interesting though because i don't i i'm not really sure how it works salary cap wise because kcp makes 12 million dollars this year and a reason makes 15 15 million dollars this year mm-hmm. and you have to match salaries by about 70 i think it's 75 percent and 15 and 12 is 80 percent so i don't understand why the lakers and uh, don't do it straight up. Yeah, they don't do it straight up. Because I don't think the Suns want KCP. They don't want a yeah. guy. Yeah, they, they want something else. They don't I want guess. a guy. They that, want a package deal. They want a guy that's not gonna fucking play. Like, yeah, I guess. I've seen this. It's a guy. They don't want someone that's gonna be like want to be part of the team. Like, they want someone that's either not gonna play or a draft pick. Like a Luel Dang. Because then if he's, <laughs> yeah. thank God we already got rid yeah. of him. Because if he's playing, then your other young guys aren't playing, and so that's just like. You know counterproductive for what they're trying to do yeah so all right we'll we'll see what happens uh december 15th is really the day i want a reason back though that's oh yeah i would love to have trevor reason those back. are the glory I days think, i think that one's gonna happen uh, I, th- I think they're gonna make I, this happen. I, I saw a bunch of stuff on twitter today it's basically all but done they yeah. just really need to work out this third team kink it's the small yeah. details yeah yeah it'll be some shit maybe new york throws on a second rounder <laughs> you know someone that's just gonna take on the contract because because KCP is a one-year deal too, so someone yeah, could take it's him. It's a on. rental. They could take him on really, and then easily. still flip, and then I think still flip him at the deadline. Yeah, potentially. Yep. So, but all right. So the last starting five topic, uh, Tyler and I normally do this, where one of us comes up with uh, two five-on-five teams. We basically come up with who we think is better. But since Jacob is here, we asked Jacob to come up with his. I was given the honors of this. Uh, yeah. starting five. Yeah. So uh, let's hear the two teams that you came up with. And Tyler and I will decide who we think is the better team. All right, let's hear it. So for Team A, now I kind of base it off some of my favorite players as well as the years that they're having right now. So, okay. All right, dope. So, I like this. So Team A, got to give it to my man uh, Damian Lillard at the starting point. Okay. At the two guard, we have Jimmy Butler, KD, Kawhi Leonard, and at the five, Anthony Davis. Okay. Normally, right. normally a power forward, but in this day and age, like Brad Stevens says, you yeah. either have ball handlers, wings, and that's it, you know, and a big. Uh, team B, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, although the Rockets have had kind of a down, you know, hill James season. Harden, James Harden. He still deserves this spot. Obviously, LeBron James, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Bucks, and Joel Embiid from the Sixers. Oh, Jesus. The second team is so much better than the first team. Yeah, so let's uh, let's hear it. I mean, I don't think it's so much better. These, these are pretty straight up. But, no, no, no. But Braun's team's winning. 
Dude, Giannis and just, Joel on just, the same team? Just because of LeBron? Or? Yeah, but Kawhi, Kawhi and Giannis like, are, are a, um, a wash. I, I guess. I, I think, Gian, I mean, Giannis is special, but Kawhi can ball, like, especially if they're matched up together. I think Kyrie's better than Dame. Okay, that, but that's, that's nitpicking. They equally don't play very I think good the defense. Bi- I think the biggest separation is Harden on Butler, but Butler's a competitor, so it's just like you got Butler on him. Well, I give I, I give the LeBron nod to Butler over Harden because Butler plays defense, but Harden's a better offensive he's a player. player. Yeah. No way I'm giving the nod to Butler over Harden. No. <laughs> He's Look at his good. face. Too good, but but it's like and Embiid. I think all the all five of these is like nitpicking. You know what I mean? Like I think not se- a huge separation between any of these guys. I think the seven the second team wins by double digits. Ooh. I mean, there's late like uh, uh, like why don't you just put Kawhi and Lebr- on LeBron, KD on Giannis, and then like your length thing is just completely there. Um, the top team has a better defensive matchup, and you said it yourself with Butler on Harden. Oh man, that I just worked myself into a pretzel here. No, it's tough. I mean, that's why I think these are a wash. I mean, I don't. Okay, I just think all LeBron's right. going to win because um, LeBron's the best player in the world, and then Ky- Kyrie can finish it for him. We've seen that movie before. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah, no, Kyrie did win that game for them. I'd go with Braun. Yeah, Braun's no, I'm go- I'm going with the second team. Team B. Yeah, that's a good one though. No, that no, those are two that I really like both those teams. So yeah. All right. Um, so before we get out of here, we usually like to do a shout out before we end the show. So do you have anybody or anything you want to shout out, Jacob? Uh, shout out to the TSK show for letting me uh, yes. for first uh, first episode. But, we uh, love it. All big right. big thank you to you guys for uh, you know bringing me on for the first episode and hope to be back. You know sometime yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'd love to have you back. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, it was nice to have you, man. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, you got a shout-out before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm going to shout-out just a troll, uh, like a, a king troll move by the Miami Dolphins. Um, up on the scoreboard, or up on the Big Tron before the game started, they showed the list of the injuries, you know, for each team. So mm-hmm. it's like two columns, the right. right columns, Miami Dolphins, all their injuries. Right. Um, and then on the left column, they call them the New York Patriots. <laughs> Just like a super shot of Boston, like big time. Uh, I w- I am like you've met Eric was on the show. Yep. He's a big time Dolphins fan. Um, I would have never known that happened, you know, if it wasn't for him. So yeah, that's so funny. Shout out to Eric for giving me that gem. I just thought that was so great. That was such a great shot. I love the Patriots, but such a great shot at Boston. Yeah. Um, well, fuck just Boston. When you it, well, and when you leave your uh, name as New England up for grabs, you know what I mean. That could mean. New England's kind of like an area. It's not a, yeah. a specific place. So, I wouldn't uh, consider New York part of New England. No, no. I, no. no I, ne- I wouldn't necessarily either. But, fuck, it's, what, three hours? If that. If that from Boston. So um, I thought that was good. And Boston people had to have hated it. I bet they did. So, yeah, shout out the, shout out the Dolphins uh, Jumbotron. Nice. All right, my shout out. Uh, it's kind of my recruiting pitch to James Jones, uh, the Phoenix Suns GMs. Uh, he helped out the Lakers. Uh, with Tyson Chandler, and now he needs to help out his old buddy LeBron once again and send Trevor Ariza home to the Lakers. And there's no one I know who would be happier to see Trevor back in purple and gold than one of my best friends, uh, Taylor Kahn. So, James, do Taylor and LeBron a solid and trade Trevor Ariza to the Lakers. We need him. LA native, bring him back. Yeah. With that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Don't forget you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. 
All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword TSK show in the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us as well. We are also now on Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash TSK show or download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Jacob, thanks for being here. We appreciate you having. Anytime, man. Anytime. Just hit me up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Peace. Later.